0: Om Sahana Bhavatu Sahana Om Hanatu Sahavidyam Karavahai Tejasina Vahita Mastuma Vedvishavahai Om Shantishantishanti Let us read from the verse 7, 7th verse. On the 7th page. Niyatasya tu sanyasah Niyatasya tu sanyasah Karmanu papadyate Karmanu papadyate Moha tasya parityadah Moha tasya parityadah Tamasaf parikirtitah Tamasaf parikirtitah Dukhamitjeva yat karma, Dukhamitjeva yat karma, Kayakreshav hayat yajed, Kayakreshav yajed, Sakratvara jya samtyagam, Sakratvara palam karma, Niyatam Kriyate Arjuna Niyatam Kriyate Arjuna Sangam Chetvaphalam Chayva Sangam Chetvaphalam Chayva Satyagashatvikomathah Satyagashatvikomathah Karyam yat Karmana Niyatam Kriyate Arjuna Here Arjuna, whatever action that has been enjoined, whatever is your duty, That means whatever is the appropriate or becoming response on your part to a given situation, this is how we can understand the duty. So whenever I confront a situation, then a certain response is expected out of me and thus responding to every situation in a becoming manner. This is what we will call our duty, karyam, so whenever I confront a situation, then the the response from my heart is, yeah, I should do this. I should offer this. So when a response of doing something, offering myself, when that response occurs from me, Sangam Tettva Phalam cheva. And then also Sangam Tettva giving up this attachment, meaning giving up this, this strong identification that is I who is doing, but doing it in a very humble way, doing it as a devotee, meaning performing an action as an offering to the Lord, that's, so person who acts as a devotee, so there is a tamas ahankara, rajas ahankara, and sattvic ahankara, so this sattvic ahankara, so ahankara is there, the individuality is there, sense of doership also is there, but sattvic, so as a devotee, I perform that action, in the humble spirit of a devotee, phalam chaiva, and further, with reference to the result, well, I seek, no personal reward as a result of performing that action. If someone does this, satyagaha, satyakaumataha, this tyaga, this renunciation Lord Krishna says is satvik meaning born of sattva. That is a person who has this frame of mind which is what we call satvik, <coughs> he will make this kind of a sacrifice or he would have this renunciation of not asking for any personal reward. And we said yesterday that we must distinguish between the result of an action and the reward coming from an action. So when an action is performed, an appropriate result or outcome will come. But we, have, we associate with that outcome there is always a personal element in this, as much as not only am I seeking an outcome from a result, but I am also seeking some personal reward, some gratification of ego. This is also what I am seeking, it is that part to which this person is indifferent, it doesn't matter whether my ego is gratified or not, whether I get a reward, in fact, doesn't ask for the reward. <coughs> Satya, there is also humility, there is also humility. Why should I get the reward when Lord is doing everything? Who am I to ask for the reward? Even though I am supposedly doing, but then I am doing only because of grace of God. I am doing because of whatever abilities and knowledge He has given to me, whatever opportunities He has given to me, and therefore I am doing it as an instrument. And therefore, if some reward has to come, it should go to him. So this person does not brand himself either as successful or a failure. If success comes, that also is a sign to Lord. If failure comes, that also is a sign to Lord. So because he doesn't have a strong identification while performing the action, he doesn't have identification with the result also. And therefore, his object with reference to action as well as object with reference to the result. This is how a sattvic person's relationship with karma, action, and the result is. Now, if you want to become sattvic, then we fake it and make it. This is what we try to do. So while performing the action, I remind myself, as Lord Krishna has said in the Bhagavad Gita many, very in many places. It will be said in the 18th chapter also. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you perform, do in form of performing a yaga, whatever charity you offer, whatever austerity you perform. Whatever religious duties you perform, whatever you else you do, Tat Kurushpa Madar Panam, He Arjuna those actions in a manner that they become an offering to me. This is the theme that Lord Krishna repeats again and again in the Gita. So whatever you do, make it an offering to me. This is what we call the spirit of devotion. So devotee is the one. is always what it is in love, in the relationship. When I love somebody, I always want to offer myself this is what the love always does it makes me it motivates me or just makes me do things for someone that is an object of love and so also a devotee is the one who wants to do something for the Lord as an offering and so and as we say as sage Narada says in Narada Bhakti Sutra that love is a reward in itself it's not that as I I did something that again I asked for some reward in doing itself is a reward when it is an action of love however As we said, if you want to cultivate that love within ourselves, you want to cultivate that devotion within ourselves, then I act as though I am a devotee. So I fake as though I am a devotee and in course of time I make it. How would I do if I were a devotee? Well, if I were a devotee, offering itself is my pleasure. So, this, in order to develop that sattvic, the sattva, the purity of the mind, Lord Krishna prescribes this attitude of a devotee the question is whether Bhakti Yoga is a separate Yoga or not. It is not. Inasmuch as when action is performed in the spirit of devotion, then that becomes Karma Yoga. And therefore, uh, then Bhakti Yoga doesn't become a separate Yoga. It gets woven. Bhakti of the devotion gets woven because Bhakti is the love of the spirit that there is. And the spirit always seeks an expression. And so performing my duty becomes an occasion to express my love that I have for the Lord. if I want to cultivate that love, then I deliberately perform actions which are conducive to invoking that love from myself. That's the reason why parents bring their children, ask them to prostrate here, recite this, do things. They don't care to do sometimes, they just do it because the parents ask them to do. But it is hoped that by just doing that in course of time, the spirit that is involved in doing will arise. So there is form and there is spirit. Ideally, I mean action is a form and the attitude is the spirit. And ideally the action should follow the spirit. Many people insist that what's the point in doing this rituals unless there is devotion. What's the point in doing something unless the appropriate spirit is there. But that is not definitely right. Because even you know, if the spirit is not there, I just I adopt the form. And the form will bring about the spirit in the course of time. So Swami says, physicalize the, the worship. Or physicalize the attitude that you have it is I have value for worship put it this way even though I may not have much of worship right now but I have value that I want to become a devotee if the value is there then I act as though I am a devotee what would I do if I were a devotee and by doing that that is giving expression to my value for devotion in course of time then I keep discovering the devotion this is how the mind becomes sattvic so they said when the mind is under the influence of rajas then the person who has rajas is always a demanding person. There is a keen sense of my inadequacy when the rajas is there. And keen sense of inadequacy and the insecurity, therefore I am a demanding person. And there is a bhog always, the desire for enjoying the pleasures. This is what rajas brings about. If I want to transform it, then I must make a deliberate effort by not encouraging that attitude of seeking pleasure and seeking reward. But instead, replacing the attitude of offering. So this is a constant work that we do and this is what is important. Whenever my mind comes up with the demand for a reward, I replace it by a spirit of offering. So this is what happens inside. What happens outside is all action, that's all is visible. And as we said, it is not so much the action that does things, but action becomes an occasion to work with my mind because whenever I am going whenever I start to do something my reward seeking mind always comes forward and says what is in it for me this is the tendency of the mind always seeking reward and when the mind presents this desire of reward I say look at mind look at mind look it is the reward is the doing itself a reward you are already rewarded these actions to perform in as a returning the favor because reward you already have and so every time the mind comes up with with its natural attitude I replace it by this sattvic attitude this has to be otherwise it won't become sattvic just like that even performing rituals it doesn't become sattvic it's not an action that makes the mind sattvic or anything it is the spirit or the attitude that is there behind the action and therefore a karma yogi that is why this is the path of knowledge understand even though we call it yoga of karma, but then it becomes yoga provided every karma, or every action also becomes an opportunity for me to learn something. Thus every action becomes an opportunity to learn about my own mind as to what kind of tendencies it has. And so it, whenever I have to perform an action, that tendency is triggered and it comes to the surface. Like there is a pond of water or there is a puddle of water, I throw a pebble, then whatever dirt is at the bottom, it comes to the surface. And similarly also, because action means what? I have to do something. And then I am not going to do something, unless there is a reward usually. And therefore the reward-seeking tendencies will surface whenever an action is to be done. My mind will always ask, why should I do that? What am I going to get out of it? And thus, then I get an opportunity to educate my mind. And so Karma Yoga understand, is a process of constantly educating my mind constantly reminding my mind of the value look mine what you're seeking is the attainment of what is already attained why this beggarly attitude why do you always seek rewards why do you asking why do you begging and this I want to convert my mind from a beggarly mind to a giving mind and that doesn't happen right away it is like completely turning the, the, the flow of the river and taking it to its source, you know. So naturally water has a tendency to flow from a higher to a lower level. And imagine somebody trying to trying to change the course of water to its source. What an amount of effort would be required. And similarly also, to change the tendency of the mind requires a constant effort. <coughs> Satyagaha. And this, what is Satyagaha? Tyaga or the renunciation here is of these natural tendencies of seeking pleasure seeking gratification seeking reward this is the natural tendency and that is what is renounced nothing else is renounced and only thing that I possess are those things so ignorance is my private property that's all I possess and all these various notions born of ignorance also are mine in fact that is what we have to we have to offer to the Lord <coughs> satyagah satyakomathah here is this tyaga. Renunciation of this extrovert tendencies. What is meant by extrovert tendency? The tendency of demanding, tendency of begging, tendency of seeking gratification and constant offering of that tendency. Replacing that tendency by a tendency to give. It may be difficult because mind doesn't want to give. It's like asking a boy, you know, come on, here's a candy, give half of it to your sister, younger sister, doesn't want to give. But we make him give that. And instead of giving half candy to each of them, I give the whole candy to his fellow. I ask him to give half to his sister. And once I turn away, he may, he may snatch it away also. I don't know, but anyway, I ask him to do. That's how the parents train their children. And then he gives half candy to him, and then and sister is very happy. And then she he sees the sister, little sister, enjoying that candy. And that hopefully... The joy which is there on the face of the sister will motivate this fellow to give, him again, give her again, you know. That's what we hope. And similarly, this act of giving when we see the joy on the part of the recipient. Oh, whatever little thing we do. As I said, karma yoga is not necessarily doing big things. It is doing little things. What makes any little thing yoga is the attitude of the spirit behind that thing. And therefore, even if all our actions right away are not in the spirit of giving, because we don't feel safe, I'm afraid that if I start giving away, you know, if I show this tendency, I'll be exploited and people will take advantage of me, lot of insecurities there. It's not going to be right away I become just a very generous and charitable person. But then I can reach out little by little, little by little I can reach out and that's how I discover the joy of reaching out. And that's how once I start enjoying that, then it will become slowly easier and easier for me to do. (coughs) So this is, this karma yoga that is performing action in the spirit of offering and without seeking a reward is satyagah sattvigomathah. This is the, this renunciation is considered renunciation born of sattva. <coughs> and what happens as a result? Well, some result is always there of course, otherwise Lord Krishna would not enjoin or recommend us to do that. The fact that Lord Krishna prescribes this to us means there is a big reward involved in that. This attitude has to be for our well-being, otherwise it can only prescribe the scripture. So what is the ultimate reward that comes when I deliberately entertain this attitude? That is being said in the tenth verse. karma, <laughs> <laughs> Kushale na Kushale na nushajjate Tyagi sattva sama vishtaha Tyagi sattva vishtaha Medhavi chinda samshaya Medhavi chinda samshaya Let us take the second line first here. Lord Krishna here gives a sequence of happenings to this this aspirant as to what happens what are the stages that he goes through tyagi sattva samavishtah medhavi chinnasamsah these four first stages first stage is tyagi tyagi means renunciate remember the earlier verse said satyagah hai, hai. so this kind of a tyaga this does renunciation of offering of my tendencies of always seeking reward offering of that tendency is a tyagi. <coughs> So when this person becomes sattva samavishta, so this kind of a tyaga, this constant work carried out upon my mind, upon my various tendencies, that whenever any tendency that is classified as tamas or rajas, whenever it arises in my mind, when in my mind this tendency of dropping out, not doing something, doesn't matter, let it work, you know, so tamas, inactivity, then I replace it by activity. When there is selfish activity, I replace it by selfless activity or the tendency of offering or giving. <clears throat> this is the person who is constantly doing this work. So Vedantin is busy 24 hours, I mean as long as the fellow is awake. Out, you know, inwardly this is the Vedantic work this is the Vedantic, Vedantic way of uh, what we call the spiritual work that is constantly going on <clears throat> Sattva Samavishtaha when he Sattva Sattva means purity Samavishtaha so when that purity enters his mind pervades his mind taking take hold of his mind the purity enters his mind Samavesha Avesha means entrance. You know, sometimes this Avesha, the spirit also takes hold of me, that is also called Avesha. Here, Sattva Samavishtaha. The Sattva or the purity is what takes hold of him. So this tendency is nothing but constantly offering the impurities. As I said, Tamas and rajas. Whenever those tendencies surface on the mind, I replace it by Sattvic tendency. It is painful. The reason why those tendencies occur in my mind because there are, as we said, there is insecurity, there is lust and there is anger, there is greed. All these what we call demoniac tendencies are there and usually they are, they always come up first and I must replace it by a divine tendency. So, Satva Samavishtaha, this slowly and slowly the impurity starts, you know, uh, exhausting away. And what happens? You see, whenever we perform an action as prompted by likes and dislikes, then usually the usually as a result, the likes and dislikes also are increased. So an action that originates... So this person, when Lord Krishna says, Karyam Karam, Karyam iti, that I must do some action, that means that he does not respond to a situation based on his likes and dislikes, but he responds to a situation because of what is to be done. So first of all is very response that this is my bound and duty. Then his likes and dislikes are kept under check because generally speaking I have a tendency to, learn, to perform that action which is going to benefit me and avoid that action which is not going to benefit me. And so my choice of what I do is generally calculated whether it is beneficial to me or not. But here whether it benefits me or not it should be done and therefore I do it and therefore here the attitude is, this should be done and therefore I do it, whether it is something in it for me or not. <clears throat> and so the raga and the dvesha, the likes and dislikes, they surface every time I'm about to do something, those are kept in the check. And that's how the role is kept in check and you see there's little demon there under the feet of Lord Dakshinamurti there, under the foot, subdued, This this sentence, ego, and what do you mean by ego it is this likes and dislikes, all this anger, greed, etc. So that ego gets subdued and subdued and subdued. Doesn't have to die. The ego doesn't die, it remains. What you call sattvic ego remains. Functioning even wise person also has a functioning ego. But it is sattvic ego. It is enlightened ego. First it is purified and then it is enlightened. So a karma yogi purifies this ego. <coughs> And so we see that little demon crouched under the feet, foot of Lord Dakshanam. That's ego, but that is subdued. And thus these tendencies of Rajas and Tamas, Raga and Dvesha keep on getting subdued. (coughs) In fact, this happens even when we just want to follow the basic values of life. As we said, that if you want to be honest, then we have to let go of whatever benefit that dishonesty gives us. The reason why people are dishonest or that a person becomes angry when a person compromises the values is because the compromising value has some benefit in it. And therefore to follow the value the benefits must be dropped, I must let go of the benefit that comes, material benefit that comes. So constantly this person is required to let go of the material benefit for the sake of the spiritual benefit. This is a constant thing going on. Sattva Samavishtaha, and as a result. These tendencies which we call rajas and tamas and all those tendencies are then reduced to these two raga and dvesha attachment and aversion As you said, both of these result into demands the attachment also results into demand of what I want and aversion also results into demand of avoiding what I do not want These demanding tendencies get subdued Sattva hai, and Sattva which is the purity of the mind slowly that surfaces as we have said earlier, that mind by nature is pure. And the impurity of likes and dislikes, those impurities are only incidental. Inherently, the mind is pure. But then, as we said, on account of a lack of viveka or discrimination, and therefore having performed action all this time with selfish attitude, these likes and dislikes have found their way inside, and they have accumulated, and they now take hold of my mind but they are incidental. And inherently, my mind is pure. And so, as these incidental tendencies or impurities, as they are subdued, and slowly and slowly, the mind gains its purity, which is the natural purity. <coughs> sattva, samavishta the Sattva, Sattva, the purity of the mind comes. And what is Sattva? Shankaraja explains here. What is Sattva? Atman atma, Viveka Vijnana Hetuna. It is that mind which is capable of doing the viveka, separation or discrimination between Atma and Anatma. So in order for me to be able to distinguish the self from the non-self, I require this kind of mind, what, what we call sattvic mind, a mind enjoying the purity, a mind enjoying what we call objectivity. And so, so being able to stand apart, Stand apart, even from what I am considering as the Atma. Stand apart from the body, stand apart from the mind. So this is the mind that is capable of giving up the identification with the the body-mind complex. So that is Sattva. In short, in order to be able to do the work of Vedanta, what is Vedanta is really Atma and Viveka, To be able to separate the self from the non-self. And to be able to do that, this mind is required. Very often people say, Swamiji, I, uh, uh, well, I am not the body anyway, but, you know, I am not the body, I am not the mind, I am not this, I am not that. But merely declaring it doesn't work, you know. For me to say that I am not the body also, uh, it requires me to be able to stand apart, create a distance. And that is what is what requires a sattvic mind, a mind enjoying this purity. So thus, Vedanta, All the texts of Vedanta and Bhagavad-gita also brings up again and again that Antahagra-shuddhi or purification of mind is a necessary requirement. And thus in the text such as Viveka Chudamani this is told by what we call the Sadhana chatusta Sampattihi Viveka is there, discrimination Vairagya, dispassion. And that solely brings about Shama, the tranquility of the mind Dhamma, the discipline of the level of sense organs uparade, and the mind has an abidance, an abiding mind. Sattvic mind is an abiding mind. A mind that is happy with itself. A mind in which there is what we call a self-acceptance. A mind that has an objectivity and therefore is able to appreciate things for what they are. (coughs) Sattva Samavishtaha So Karma Yoga brings about Sattva Shuddhi, Antahaka Shuddhi or purification of mind. (coughs) Medhavi. The next step is Medhavi. Medha. Asyastiti Medhavi. The one who possesses Medha. What is Medha? Medha means wisdom. <coughs> he, what is wisdom? Am Brahma I am Brahma. So this knowledge arises in this mind which enjoys the purity. We imagine steps in between. Between that Satvik mind. And Dhamidhava means a wise person. He gains the wisdom. What is the wisdom? I am Brahmaasmi, I am Brahma. But we imagine that other steps have taken place. <clears throat> so he becomes a sanyasi imagine, you know. Depends on, the, depends on the structure of the society, depends on the... But uh, in the Vedic times, what would have happened is, a person who gains that purity of the mind, He discovers all the vairagya, vairagya means dispassion, a freedom from the need for pleasures. He discovers that inner pleasure, inner cheerfulness and happiness itself and therefore becomes free from the need of any pleasure or any security or support from the world, thus sattvic mind or pure mind also is discovering an inner self-sufficiency. So this is in fact a journey of discovering the self-sufficiency. And moksha is when the self sufficiency, the culmination of self sufficiency is moksha. So, moksha liberation takes place in stages. We can say that the first stage of liberation is purification of mind, liberation from the hold of this tendency tendencies called raga and dvesha, likes and dislikes. Secondly, then, the liberation from the, the duties. Then it becomes the second stage of sannyasa, what we call the vividisha sannyasa. We said earlier. That is the mind gains its purity, desire for knowledge happens. When the mind is an in influence of rajas, there is desire for, for enjoyment. As we said, if one object, any object itself will, de, will in fact bring about different kinds of response from different kinds of people. And so a person, like, like an apple falling, so that event can bring about different kinds of response from different people. From a Newton it brings about the response, sattvic person. How come it fell down? How come it did not go? So that event in fact uh, created in the response for knowledge. So sattva means desire for knowledge. For somebody else the apple falls down, oh, looks like a very ripe apple, it fall, fell down itself, let us see how it tastes, you know, and they have a bhoga, the enjoyment response. For third fellow apple fell and doesn't fall, doesn't fall, doesn't matter, you know, to him. He doesn't even notice it. If he notices, at the most you take the apple to eat somebody, you know, so tamas, so sattvic Rajas and Tamas. One same thing. Invoking different kinds of response from the people. So when a person is sattvic, the response that is invoked in him is the knowledge. What is the nature of this world? So so when he was in the influence of Rajas, world was a place of seeking pleasure. Now that he's become a sattvic person, world is a place of seeking knowledge. The very same thing now invokes in him the desire to know. So... Where does it all come from? Adihi Bhagav Brahma, sir. Please teach me what Brahman. That's how he goes to the teacher. <coughs> so Guru Pasadaram goes to the teacher. And as I said, going to the teacher is is generally accompanied with the Vividishasanya renunciation of his duties. So no more duties goes to the teacher. <coughs> Perform what you call Shravanam. Shravanam means listening to the scriptures. But Shravanam should be understood as Vedanta Vichara and inquire into the nature of reality inquire with the help of Upanishad <coughs> so this is where the first sutra of Brahma Sutra comes Athato Asa means this Satva Samavishta. Vedanta begins after that this Tyagi and Satva of the person is sattvic when the desire for knowledge arrives that is now he is ready for Vedanta <coughs> goes to the teacher lives at the feet of the teacher Serves so the teacher, performs Shravanam, which is the listening to the scriptures, which is what we said is vicharha, atso, inquiry into the nature of the self, inquiry into the nature of reality, that inquiry is conducted in the form of Shravanam, followed by Mananam, this is Dhyasaram, reflection as well as the deep meditation, as a result of that. So a lot of time is involved, between Tyagi and Sattva Samavishta, there is time involved, you know. Sattva Samavishta may have a time is involved, although these words are written right away, but it involves time. So, as Swami is to give example of that That Greek philosopher uh, and this person has, has moved to some other island and is waiting for his family, his family to follow and is waiting. His family, all his property, everything is coming in a big ship and he is waiting for them. And it seems one afternoon somebody knocks at his door and there is a messenger and that fellow is very excited and he comes up with this very unpleasant very sad news sir your ship has sunk says what? yes sir your ship has sunk so what? sir all your wealth is gone what? yes you lost all your wealth so what? I don't know this is very big thing you know sir your wife and children they are all drowned what? they are drowned so what? So, between the news that is given to him and so what, for this philosopher it took him a few seconds, you know, to reconcile or resolve this reality, acceptance of reality. But it may be a long time, for somebody it may take a year, two years, twenty years, a lifetime, or number of lifetimes to be able to accept the reality of life. And similarly also, between Tyagi and Sattva Samavishtaha, that's a whole process of constantly working with our mind, and subduing the raga deveshas. Sattva samavishta. Now that I have started pursuing the knowledge, listening the scriptures at the feet of the teacher, medhavi. Shravanam, mananam, niridhyasanam. Also a long process. Because medhavi, that medha is wisdom. I am Brahma, I am Brahma. He becomes possessed of that wisdom. And then, so what happens? Chinna samshaya. He becomes free from all the doubts. Samshaya stands for all products of ignorance. He becomes free from all the doubts. Becomes free from all the uh, identification with the body. So he becomes free from all what we call the habitual error also. And this becomes sthita pragnya, one of abiding wisdom. <coughs> Which is muktaha, jivan muktaha, the one who is liberated even while he is alive. This is called moksha. So we say that moksha is the ultimate goal and the very first step is tyaga. What kind of tyaga? The tyaga which is characterized by this karma yoga, the uh, offering of my ragadveshas, subduing of my ragadveshas, that tyaga or that renunciation is the first step ultimately leading to moksha. And it will happen. It has to happen because one has to follow the other. But this much we have to do, we have to start with this tyaga. Now, how do we know that he is a liberated person? What is the, what is the pattern of his behavior that is said in the first line? AKUSHALAM KARMA kusale NA He does not despise akusalam KARMA INAUSPICIOUS KARMA KUSHALE NA does not cling to what is called auspicious karma. The idea is that we meet with these two kinds of situations Favourable situation, unfavourable situation. Or the duties also are sometimes pleasant duties and unpleasant duties. Like when the, when the cultural program takes place, a number of roles, you know, a lot of drama is, the drama is there, a number of, you know, castes are there, characters are there. And children, say, I want to become this and I, you know, so the children want to become the king and they want to become this and nobody wants to become this, a doorkeeper, nobody wants to become beggar. Similarly also, anytime, when it comes to doing a certain action, I would prefer, because I identify with the action, therefore I as, judge myself based on the dignity of the action itself. So therefore we choose when an action is to perform, then also there is a choice. I like to do certain things, I want to avoid certain things. This is what we find in the wise person. He does not cling to anything, nor does he avoid anything, because he is totally free from attachment and aversion. So really speaking the total freedom from attachment and aversion is there only in the wise person. In karma yoga it is there largely and as we go along with the inquiries the Vedanta, the Vichara, the upanishad, the Shravanam then the scriptures then the subtle work keeps on going on and fine you know fine tuning takes place. Ultimately one becomes a Strataparajna when he is totally tuned when thus is totally free from any aversion or attachment and not attachment not so what is considered auspicious by other people we find him not attached what is considered inauspicious by other people we find him having no aversion. only because he does not look upon something as auspicious or inauspicious see if the wise person looked upon something as auspicious and something as inauspicious then he is going to respond to uh, auspicious with something favorable and inauspicious he will look upon something unfavorable when we find that his attitude is the same towards auspicious and inauspicious, favorable and non-favorable, binding and freeing. Certain actions are supposed to be binding actions like the desire-prompted actions and prohibited actions and therefore we avoid them. Certain actions we want to perform which we look upon as actions that will release us. This person is no such thing at all. Whatever he is required to do or whatever the situation calls for, he does it without any kind of reaction. That means the person is totally free from reaction. This is called moksha. That's all. Total freedom. And, and he, this person is a bound person whose response is dictated by the situation. And here is a free person whose response is dictated not by the situation at all. He is dictated by himself. And that is equanimity and all conditions. Because to him everything is in order. That's the real discovery of the order. To him everything is nothing but Brahman. Because when he knows himself as Brahman, he knows everything else also as Brahman. And therefore, what is auspicious also is Brahman, inauspicious also is Brahman. In a given only in a given costume. So he responds everything as Brahman. Coming in pleasant, pleasant costume or unpleasant costume. So Lord Shiva is otherwise very inauspicious, you know, inauspicious. In, in the cremation ground, spearing, smearing this ashes on his body, all is inauspicious. But then He doesn't mind. Lord Shiva doesn't mind any auspicious also because to him everything is fine. We are not saying that everything is fine or something, you know. But the idea is when one can see that Asti Bhadi Priyam in every name and form then everything is fine. If I don't see it then of course I should follow the code of conduct. When, When for him everything is manifestation of Brahman then everything is fine. And therefore the person who is at home with everything. For the simple reason that he is at home with himself under any conditions. And that is called freedom, which is not subject to change under any conditions, favorable or unfavorable. <coughs> so, this is a big thing that you get. By giving up these insignificant things such as likes and dislikes, what you get is infinite. And that is the reason why, so Lord Krishna says this, so this is ultimate sannyasa. Thus, both the kind of sannyasa are, So ninth verse talked about sannyasa as karma yoga, the first sannyasa that we said, the tenth verse describes sannyasa as the vidvut sannyasa or the sannyasa characterized by knowledge. In between, we imagine a step, nine and a half verse, you know, so that is what, what we call vividisha sannyasa, renunciation of the duties taken for the express purpose of pursuing knowledge. We imagine that must have happened. And Lord Krishna does not mention it, so we believe that it is possible that even if you are a householder and continue to remain a householder, but then have a tremendous value for knowledge, then all unnecessary activities will drop off or unnecessary context will also drop off. And remaining a house also, the fellow will become a sannyasi. He must become sannyasi anyway, whether in form or not but in spirit a person must become a renunciate. This question is asked in India very often. Swami, is it necessary that we must become a renunciate, then alone we can get moksha? Sankarajara strongly believes that. Sankarajara strongly seems to believe that only renunciation in form also is required. Lord Krishna seems to say that renunciation in spirit is definitely required. But Sankarajara even believes, seems to believe that renunciation in form also is required because it is very difficult to remain in the house it's nice to say Swami I can remain I can do what I have to do and I can still be a renunciation it is easier said than done and therefore uh, if you can do it that's most wonderful remaining in the midst of all the activities uh, because a lot of provocation happens you know so when I am in the midst of people and doing things always provocation is going to be there people will provoke me, they will push buttons. So we require some relief from that being pushed and so this sannyasa enunciation gives you that kind of a enables cre- you to have the distance so that you are not pushed. You have the leisure to be able to pursue the knowledge. That in short we require leisure. If you can gain that leisure while performing your activities, fine. The sannyasa in form is not necessarily a necessary requirement but definitely a leisure in the mind is a requirement. And so that my mind is not distracted by other things, and I can focus my attention totally to this. And therefore, Lord Krishna does not explicitly talk about Vidisha Sanyasa, talks about two sannyasa, a sannyasi gauna sanyasi. In a secondary sense, that is karma yogi and sannyasi in the primary sense, that is a wise person having an abiding in the wisdom. <coughs> Therefore, Lord Krishna says that the primary sannyasa is possible only for a wise person. Not until then. And that is being said in the eleventh verse. Nahi deha bhruta shakyam, nahi deha bhruta shakyam, kyahtum karma nyashe shataha, kyahtum karma nyashe shataha, Yastu karma phalatyagi Satyagi cya bhi dhiyate Satyagi cya bhi dhiyate Deha na Actions cannot be totally given up By the one who holds on to the body Deha vrut Deham vibhut it is it? one who sustains the body, one who holds on to the body is called dharm <coughs> As long as one sustains the body or one holds on to the body, it is not possible to give up all the I mean, actions totally. <coughs> what means, Lord? What does it mean, sir? I mean, we think that even a wise person also has a body. So what do you mean by holding on to body? Is it not that a wise person also has a body? And therefore having a body is a requirement or is a condition that you cannot give all the actions, how can you give all the actions? So the Grud is not one who merely has a body but who holds on to the body, one who has identification of the body. That means one who has the, the notion that I am the body. Manusyoham, Brahmanoham, Gruhastoham. I am a human being, I am a Brahmana, I am a householder. Ityadi abhimane this is Abhimana. This Abhimana is identification. So one who has identification of the body, meaning one who equates himself or herself to the body. For that person, it is not possible to renounce actions totally. You see, because at one point I call myself a brahmana, or I call myself a grihastha whatever, then definitely I will respond to the situation, the situation where always will invoke a certain response from me. And so, as long as identification of the body is there, so long likes and dislikes are going to be there, and so long, even if I want to renounce all the actions, I cannot renounce them. And that's what Lord Krishna is saying to Arjuna also, that as long as you look upon yourself as Arjuna, and therefore look upon yourself with a kshatriya and therefore you have that very identification and certain notion that I am a kshatriya so long your likes and dislikes associated with that notion are going to be there and so long even if you want you cannot give up all the actions (coughs) in short, you should not give up the actions that means that one should not renounce the actions as long as there is a strong identification of the body as long as there is a strong notion that I am so and so that means sense of individuality is strongly there or the likes and dislikes or attachment and avers- aversions also are there so long one should not give up the action because one cannot give them up <coughs> so in the third chapter lord krishna said also that an ignorant person cannot remain inactive even for a moment karyate sarva he is very nasable companion to do something because there is restlessness inside See, otherwise, when I take myself to the body, then there is a sense of limitation and there is a discomfort with my own self. So as long as I am not comfortable with myself, the discomfort will always propel me to do something with the other. As a result, a person cannot and therefore should not give up the actions as long as one is dictated by the likes and dislikes. As we said, the scriptures do sanction the giving of the duties on the part of a person who has a sense of doership but it's not dictated by likes and dislikes. That is when one gains that purity of the mind, when the likes and dislikes are no more a problem, then one can give up the actions in a secondary sense become a renunciate to become really a renunciate. So, Swami used to say that a sannyasi also has to become a sannyasi. Sannyas, so, one who has become a sannyasi a renunciate to pursue the knowledge must become a renunciate in the primary sense. <coughs> yastu karmaphalatyagi, on the other hand Lord Krishna says, yastu karmaphalatyagi, so one who has renounced his karma phala, attachment to the reward, satyagiteabhiniyate, that person is really called the tyagi or the renunciate, so that is, this is again, so this is karma, karma yogi, yastu one who is the, one who has renounced the attachment to the reward, result of action, the action, De, here Juna, he is called a tyagi, he is called a renunciate. And as we said, if you take these words, if this take these statements literally, that means that Lord Krishna does not seem to sanction the renunciation at all. Meaning renunciation of duties, it does not seem to sanction. From So, as long as one has identification with the body, one cannot give the action. And when therefore, one becomes totally free from identification the body, then no the actions can be given up. Then also actions are not given up. It's not that wise person has given up the actions, but actions are dropped off. In what way does he give up the action? By discovering that, akarta that I am a non-doer. I am not karta, or I am not the doer of the action. So he said, vidwata sannyasana, that is renunciation by virtue of knowledge, is in the wake of the knowledge, this final notion, that I am a doer then also drops off. So this becomes a process of dropping off. The first stage is dropping off or letting go of this likes and dislikes. Second stage is letting go of this notion that I have to perform the duty. And the final stage is letting go of this notion that I am the doer. But that only we can go in the wake of the knowledge. I am Brahmasmi, I am Brahman and therefore I am not this body, I am not the body-mind complex. As long as the identification is there, the body-mind complex, so long the sense of doership is there. As long as sense of doership is there, Lord Krishna says, one cannot renounce actions. And the actions get renounced when the sense of doership goes. So then also the wise man does not have not renounced action, but then because the sense of doership is gone, he doesn't perform the action from his own standpoint. And all this long description was given in the fourth chapter as to how. Uh, while performing action also, he does not perform the action. Jnārāṁ yadhadhya karmāṁ tamāhu panditam budhāṁ. Jaktuā karmakhalāsangyam nityatrupto nirāsraya ha. Karman nebhi prahutto bhi, nai vakin jitkarao disa ha. So nitya trupta. So, so person who is totally satisfied with himself, nirāsraya ha. Who must become totally free from dependence upon anything else for his satisfaction. Karmani Even though he may be active in the action activities in every way, never can chit In fact, he does not do anything. And this is what we said, the renunciation of the sense of doership. And that is what Lord Krishna wants, that is what Lord Krishna prescribes and emphasizes, the renunciation of the sense of doership. Because the Atma of the Self is in, in fact actionless. And that I am a doer is a notion that arises on account of identification of the body. So taking the body and mind as myself, naturally the activities the sense of doership is in the dupavi. Taking that to be myself, I come with the notion that I am the doer. And I am the doer is a notion that is born of ignorance. In the wake of knowledge that notion also goes. And that is how, until then, Karmani asheshadha chattum nasakyani It is not possible to give up actions totally. And until then, karma falaktyagi, here arjuna you become a tyagi of renunciate by renouncing the attachment to the result. Satyagi, he is called tyagi, he is called renunciate. Okay, we will continue. Oh. (音楽) Purna madhav, purna midham, purna purna mudachade, purna syapurna madhaya purna meva shankaram shankaracharyam, keshavam vadarayaram, sutrabhashakruta Bhagavanta Upanapunaha Ishvara Guru Ratmeri Murti Veda Vyoma Vadyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurthayena Maha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Sri Guru Bhayonai Maha Hari